Welcome to the Yahoo Finance Presents podcast. I'm Alexis Christophorus. Thanks for listening, and remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. There's a new option when it comes to buying cryptocurrencies. Barry Silbert, founder and CEO of Digital Currency Group, announced the launch of a digital large-cap fund at Yahoo Finance's All-Market Summit Crypto. Here's Yahoo Finance's Editor-in-Chief Andy Serwer with Barry Silbert. Great to see you guys. So Barry Silbert and I brought our drinks up. Hope that's okay. Cheers. I hope you guys have drinks. Cheers, yo. Um, there'll be some more drinks later on. Um, but, um, you know, you got to hydrate, right? Especially when you're talking crypto. Especially when you're here with Barry Silbert. Do you guys all know who Barry Silbert is? He is like, you know, yes, exactly. Come on, give it up. I mean, he's either like, because he's kind of an original gangster, and he's kind of a godfather. Um, he is one of the most important people in the space, and um, a visionary. And, um, and I'll stop you know, talking you up so much, but um, really, some interesting stuff, and we're really going to you know, get into what you're doing and, and hear a lot about what's going on um, at DCG. So why don't you start off, Barry, by um, just telling us a little bit about what DCG is and, and what you guys are doing. And, this, the lay of the land for your business and your company. Can I ask you right a question now. first? Yeah, yeah. Do you own Bitcoin? No. Do you own any cryptocurrencies? Do I own what? Own any, any crypto? No, I do not. And, you know, I know I'm going to come on, come at me and take it. You know, I, I <laughs> get a lot of grief for that. There, people on my team um, do, and I'm living vicariously through them, but I'm way <laughs> behind the curve. So, you know. All right. Calling me out. All right. Well, maybe we can change that. So, um, okay. So Digital Currency Group, my company, um, one, we're a, we're a company as opposed to a fund. Um, we're essentially in the business of backing great entrepreneurs. So we have a venture part of our business where we've invested in 110 companies now in 30 countries. Um, and then the second part of our focus is investing directly in digital currency and assets. Um, and but making a few very select bets. Um, and we don't trade, it's kind of like buying and holding. And then we own companies. And so we own uh, Coindesk, uh, the partner for this event. Uh, we own Genesis Trading, which is the largest um, regulated trading business, um, uh, FINRA regulated trading business in the US for crypto. And we own Grayscale Investments, which is the largest asset manager in the space, managed about $2 billion um, as of year end across um, three funds. So I don't even know the answer to this question, which is always dangerous, Barry, but how, um how did you get into this? Like, were you just a normal dude at one point, and then like you went crypto? What was the, what was the whole thing? How did that happen? You know, so I heard about um, Bitcoin in 2011, and I went through the normal phases of acceptance of Bitcoin. You start off as being dismissive, um, and then you are skeptical, and then you're intellectually curious, then you become a believer which is typically when you start investing. And then some of us just kind of go all the way over to evangelism, which is where I've been. Um, but it took me about nine months to kind of make my way through that, that process. And so I started buying Bitcoin um, in 2012. Um, and really for me it was, um, this just makes sense. This is such a transformative idea. Uh, Money is going digital. Um, and this has the, the, the potential to change the world in a really, really positive way. And I remember thinking at the time in 2012 that if I didn't put, for me, what was meaningful money into this and things played out the way that I thought they would, I'd regret it the rest of my career. 
And then I got to the point where I started doing angel investing in, in companies in 2012, and then I got, came to the conclusion in 14 that I was like, look, this is what I want to do the rest of my life, and I'm gonna to dedicate towards building a company that is gonna help support and accelerate the growth of this finan new financial system. And what were you doing at the time, though? Were I was running a company called Second Market, um, which is a company I started uh, to create liquidity for private company stock. So for anybody who's invested in a private company or started a private company, um, it takes forever to get liquidity on your stock. And so the idea was to create a way for people to get out before an IPO, which takes like 10, 12 years nowadays. So are you the sole owner of DCG? What is the, the investment structure of the company? So, um, so structurally, um, everything we do is um, off of our balance sheet. Um, and so we have outside investors, um, some strategics like MasterCard and Western Union uh, and Foxconn and CIBC. And then we've got some really great financial investors, folks like Bain Capital Ventures and FirstMark and Social Capital and RRE. Um, but, but ultimately, um, everybody is in this um, for the very long term. Um, I mean, I, I'm trying to build a company um, that not only kind of, you know, s stands the test of time, um, but is making very, very long-term investments on people and ideas. And since we're a company versus a fund, I don't have to worry about paying distributions to LPs. I don't have to worry about um, sending out money to my investors when we have success. I get to reinvest it back into the business. And so far, it's worked out really well, um, being able to make kind of very, very long-term investments like that. So for people who want to get a piece of the action, of the Barry action, what is the best way? Can they invest along with you? How does that work? So um, I think at some point, I will likely take DCG public. Uh, and you know, the companies that I look at that I want to emulate would be a SoftBank, Berkshire Hathaway, companies like that. Um, but that's so probably- you want to be the Masayoshi Sun or the Warren Buffett of crypto. Yes, a small percentage of their success would be amazing. Um, but for now, um, you know, look, the best way to get involved always is to invest directly into the tokens themselves. Um, they're, you know, the best way to kind of play the space. Um, there's a lot of them out there right now. And, you know, as an organization and me personally, I only have conviction around three of them right now. Um, really? Out of, really. Yeah, in fact, you know, we, we, you know, if you looked at our balance sheet at year end, we owned um, roughly, I think it was about $600, $700 million of cryptocurrency at year end. 95% of it was Bitcoin, Ethereum Classic, and Zcash. Those are the three that I have conviction about. Those are the three that I own personally. Um, we're getting excited about a new one called Decentraland right now. Called what? Uh, Say it loudly. Decentraland. Um, mm -hmm. It is a decentralized world that think of it as second life plus virtual reality plus crypto. Um, so if you believe in the idea of a world, a, a kind of a fully immersive world that people are going to be living and you have the ability to buy land and experience whatever, whether it's there's, there's a virtual casino district being built and there's a red light district being built. It's a very interesting idea that we've gotten pretty excited about. But, you know, again, other than those, um, um, I'm, I think most of the others are going to zero over time. Really? What, what, how do you come to that conclusion? <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty radical idea. Yeah, well, I think, I think it comes down to the, it comes down to the fact that most of these tokens don't have real utility 
Most of them are not differentiated uh, from others. And, and in the long run, I think there's only gonna be one digital gold. I think there's gonna only be one privacy-focused token. I think that there's gonna be one main smart contract platform. Um, and, but look, this time frame that I'm talking about, it, it may take 20 years to get there. I'm not talking about tomorrow these things going to zero. But you also notice that my company is called Digital Currency Group, not Bitcoin Group. So I'm the first to admit that I don't know if Bitcoin is going to be the long-term winner. It's a core holding of us. I mean, we, I would say probably 50% of our exposure to the asset class is still in Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash. But, but I am constantly on the lookout for something new and interesting. And, but when we get involved, we make a very big bet. And then we don't sit on the sidelines and wait for things to happen. We help to build a community. We help to support development. We help to create awareness. Um, and ultimately, you know, if we're right on some of these, we'll create a lot of value for our shareholders. But more importantly, um, you know, we'll hopefully create a better financial system, which is ultimately what we're trying to do. But what is it about those three specific tokens, um, currencies, that is, is compelling then? I mean, you want, can you just go through them one by one sure, a little well, bit? Look, Bitcoin for us is digital gold. Right. Um, I think as a store of value of the long term, um, as the seven trillion dollars of money that's invested in gold today um, changes hands from boomers to Gen X and Gen Ys, I think a large percentage of that is gonna find its way out of gold. I think Bitcoin is likely gonna be it. Um, we're excited about Zcash because I think that financial privacy is super important and I believe that around the world people are gonna to wanna to have money um, available to them that's not accessible by others. So there is a very big use case around um, a financial privacy token. And the Ethereum Classic, I think, is a, a super interesting token because it, you have all the same characteristics of Bitcoin. The, the supply is capped, it's immutable, but then you have on top of it the functionality of smart contracts, which I think, while Ethereum has been an amazing platform for development, um, by and large, a lot of the development has really moved over towards ICOs and new tokens sitting on top of Ethereum, whereas I like to think that on Ethereum Classic, it'll be done directly on Ethereum Classic protocol, and more importantly, ETC, the Ethereum Classic tokens, will be the, the medium of exchange that, that is used across the Ethereum Classic pl platform. But don't you have a million people coming to you and saying, Barry, if I just got 10 minutes with you, I could convince you that my token, that my currency actually belongs in your pantheon? Yeah, and, and we're very thoughtful about things we get involved with because we know we like to think that when we get involved with something, it, it means something. Um, and Ethereum Classic, we started buying in... Um, the summer of 16 at a dollar. Um, and uh, Decentraland, Mana, the token, you know, we started buying um, a month or so ago. Um, and I don't know if there'll be another one that I'm gonna find for another 18 months. Okay, you um, have something that you want to um, announce this morning, and um, why don't we uh, get right to that? What have yeah, you got so, going on? Um, so Grayscale Investments, our asset management business, which is the manager of the Bitcoin Investment Trust, as well as the Ethereum Classic Investment Trust and the Zcash Investment Trust, we're launching today. We just launched um, a digital large cap fund, which uh, is an investment fund that invests across the largest digital currencies. Today it's five. Uh, market cap weighted, rebalanced quarterly investment fund. The idea is to give investors the ability to invest into a vehicle without having to figure out what do you buy, 
Where do you buy it? What price to pay? How do you store it? Um, it's a fund that we're launching it just like our other ones as a private vehicle so accredited investors can go invest and get exposure to what is essentially going to be 70% of the market cap. And then the plan is uh, we will move it into the public market just like we did the Bitcoin Investment Trust and like we're doing for the Ethereum Classic Investment Trust uh, in, in Q2. Right. And so what is the difference? What are the thresholds between accredited investors for the first category and then the second category then? So um, the SEC rules um, um, permit um, investors who make $200,000 a year or have a million dollars in net worth excluding their home to invest in private placements. So for investors that meet that criteria, they can invest directly into the fund today. Um, for investors that don't meet that criteria, they'll have to wait for us to move it into the public market, um, uh, what'll be essentially a year from now. But you do have that other fund that's already in the public market? Well, so the Bitcoin market. Investment Trust, um, which again is open to accredited investors to buy in the private placement, is publicly quoted on the OTCQX market under the GBTC. Right, okay. All right, so you called me out and um, revealed that I didn't own any. So convince me that I should. And what's the best thing for me to own, directly or through one of your vehicles, if I happen to be that wealthy? Um, what, what would you suggest, oh, great, Barry? <laughs> well, so I, I always ask, I get this question a lot, and I always ask the question, look, is this lottery ticket money, or is this money that you don't necessarily want to lose? So by and well, large, shouldn't you, shouldn't you answer that question yourself? In other words, um, should I invest money that I can't afford to lose in this asset class? So you know, my answer is funny. My answer yesterday would have been different than it is today. Wow. Um, okay. And and yesterday I would have said, well, unfortunately, um, you know, when you invest in these tokens, you have to be prepared to lose everything because the outcome it's likely binary. Bitcoin and, 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 and Ethereum, Ethereum Classic, these are all likely gonna to go to zero or a lot higher. So my answer typically would have been only put in what you can afford to lose. However, today, um, and again, this is completely plugging this fund that we just launched, um, I am 100% convinced that this asset class is here to stay. Uh, digital currency, digital assets, decentralized money, it is here to stay. So this vehicle will recalibrate, it will rebalance itself over time as new currencies and tokens move, them, move in and out. So ultimately, um, for the first investor, for the investor's first investment to the space, um, instead of trying to pick the winner and risk losing it all, a diversified basket we think is a really smart bet. So if, okay. if you were looking to get involved, I would say, you know, put 50% of whatever you were going to put in into a, this type of vehicle, and then have fun on the rest, recognizing that you're likely going to lose all your money. <laughs> what a model. Hey, <laughs> speaking of models, Barry, how do you eat and pay the rent? Okay, in other words, you got all this stuff locked up, right? Like, how is it liquid? What, what, do, you, what do you do for cash flow, if yeah. I may be so bold to ask? Well, I think in the early days, um, you know, so I started buying Bitcoin um, at about, uh, about $8, and, um, and uh, my average price was $10. Was $10. And when, it went to, when Bitcoin went to 50 or 60 you know, I thought, wow, you know, I'm you know, a genius investor, so I started trying to use Bitcoin <laughs> as much as I could, and you know, doing the math, uh, you know, the diapers that I bought, you know, with Bitcoin at 50 bucks, um, you know, is, is, is painful. But um, I think it's fair to say at this point, um, me and I think a lot of people in the Bitcoin space, we're not really selling or using. It's a core holding. It's our digital gold. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm using fiat, USD, like, like everybody else. Um, but is your, does your company have advertising? I mean, are you getting revenue from other sources to... 
Well, so if you look across, you know, so on the venture part of the business, so we've invested in 20 exchanges around the world. Right. So those exchanges are, you know, they're killing it right now, as you can imagine. Right. Um, exchanges, okay, and so there's cash flow there. There's, there's, as companies are getting sold, um, uh, some will start going public soon, we have liquidity there. Um, the digital currency part of our book, we don't take that and we don't move that into fiat. So that is, that, that whatever that six, 700 million that existed on December 31st, we're not taking that money out. I just reallocate it among the tokens that I think are most interesting. Our cash flow comes from our subsidiaries. So Coindesk is an amazing fast growing business. Genesis Trading um, is a fantastic cash flow generating business. And then Grayscale Investments, you know, managing two billion dollars um, is, is really good cash flow. And it just enables us to invest money back into the other parts of the business. Okay, we just had an ICO panel, but my understanding is you're not necessarily so keen on ICOs. I, I, like, I, I still have the bruises from having run a regulated business in second market for 10 years, and, and just knowing the way that the regulators think about the world, and being very involved in the JOBS Act um, and seeing how policy gets made, I'm 100% convinced, and I do think that this is somewhat confirmed by what Chairman Clayton said yesterday, is that by and large, most ICOs are securities. And just because they're a security, it doesn't mean it's a bad investment, it doesn't mean that um, it's, it's a bad idea, it just means that it can't be traded the way it trades today, it means that you're gonna have to put that into the existing stock market infrastructure, which is gonna require regulated exchanges and ATSs. It's gonna require you to have to go through a broker in order to buy or sell one of these tokens. So you have to then worry about things like suitability. Um, and if you, if you essentially treat most of these ICOs as securities, um, the only difference between an ICO issuance and an equity issuance is gonna be how the ownership is recorded. And I just don't see there being that big of a difference of ownership being recorded in a decentralized ledger versus ownership being recorded at a transfer agent. And certainly there are benefits, and theoretically it should be more liquid, theoretically it should be more accessible, but you still are gonna have to access it through the existing financial system that exists. So this, this differential evaluations, you know, we get to invest in amazing entrepreneurs at a three, four million dollar valuation the same team can go out there and go raise 25 million at a $100 million valuation. It's, there's, the disconnect is so big right now that we'd rather just focus mainly on the equity side and then selectively make investments in tokens where we know they're being done in a legal compliant way and hope for the best when the tokens eventually get issued two, three years down the road. This leads to kind of another issue regarding this world and how it's relating to historical and traditional Wall Street. <clears throat> Are you surprised with how that's playing out? I mean, it's fits and starts. Um, there's a wide range of behaviors by J.P. Morgan and Jamie Dimon, um, by Goldman Sachs, even inside the, the same institution. What's your take on this? So, it's kind of a big question. Right, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna share some, 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 some insight, inside information from the industry. There's the headlines, what you read, and what people say when they are interviewed or when they you know, are speaking on a panel, and then there's what's really happening behind the scenes. Behind the scenes, um, infrastructure is being built right now to enable Wall Street in mass to access this asset class in ways that we can't even imagine. 
um, on-ramps, off-ramps, custody, trading platforms, um, trading solutions, this is all being built right now. And at some point within the next 12 to 24 months, you're gonna see a tidal wave of capital wash ashore into this asset class from uh, asset managers all around the world. <clears throat> Hasn't happened yet. Um, you, know, you watch a, you know, CNBC during the day and you think that the, everybody and their mom had invested in this asset class. By and large, um, nobody has yet. It's been a retail phenomenon, which is great, as opposed to past um, asset class uh, opportunities where retail got in last and was kind of the dumb money. This time around, it's retail in first, institutional money coming in next. Um, I have a question from the audience from uh, Teenage Buffett. <laughs> Maybe someone near and dear to your heart. I like that handle. How do you guys think the U.S. government support will play in cryptocurrency growth this year in terms of corporate blockchain innovation? So uh, I think one in the U.S., uh, and we've invested in 30 countries, and so we have really good insight into what's happening around the world. I think in the U.S., I think that kind of there is now regulatory clarity uh, around the kind of the non-ICO market. So kind of the Bitcoins and the Zcashes and the ETCs of the world, I think there's regulatory clarity. Um, so I don't imagine we're gonna see anything soon. Based on the hearing yesterday, there will be some attempts to, I think, kind of conform some federal regulations, but ultimately, I think things are fairly clear. I do think that you're gonna continue seeing experimentation on enterprise blockchain solutions, both at the kind of the enterprise level as well as the government level, but those are very, very slow-moving organizations, and I don't really expect that anything comes out of either one of those to be transformative. The transformative stuff is gonna come from outside of the, the group of incumbents who are looking to keep up a walled garden of information. It's gonna come from the startups. Last question, and it's kind of a theoretical one. You talked about Wall Street sort of co-opting um, cryptocurrencies. Won't the same thing happen with governments around the world so that it will lose the very independence that makes it so special? Well, this, is the this is the beauty of what digital currency is. Um, money is what society decides it is. It is not what a government tells you it is. Money has taken lots of forms over history. It's been rocks, it's been salt, it's been wampum. It was precious metal disks, it was people, pieces of paper backed by precious metal. It's going digital. So ultimately, society is gonna decide what you are gonna use in your day-to-day -day life, and I'm a big believer in the fact that governments unintentionally and sometimes intentionally destroy their currencies. So I would much rather hold and use something that is not um, beholden to government influence. What a concept. All right, I'd love to continue this con uh, conversation all day, but we're gonna have to leave it at that. Please join me in thanking Barry Silbert, founder and CEO of DCG. Thanks for listening to the Yahoo Finance Presents podcast. I'm Alexis Christophorus. Be sure to rate, review, and share this podcast, and remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode.